0: You're listening to Tiger Talk, the student media podcast. I'm your host, Piper Hutchinson, bringing you news from LSU and the Baton Rouge community. All right, guys, so... I'm sure most of y'all watched the football game this past weekend, um, so we brought in a couple of people to talk about what happened. I'm being joined today by Peter Roderkus, the Revley sports editor, and Henry Huber, uh, Revley senior sports writer. Can you guys um, explain what the hell happened on Saturday?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's... What didn't happen, you know, it's, you uh, know it's, I mean, how much time do you have? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a lot went wrong. A, a lot went wrong, obviously, on Sunday. Um, one of the, one of the crazier games that I've, I've attended and, you know, what a start to, um you know, the Brian Kelly era. Um, I mean, just, you know, made too many mistakes, you know, I guess just the main summary of the game, made too many mistakes, offense, defense, special teams, um, fixable mistakes, but you just can't do those type of things when, um you know, you're playing against a team like that. You know,
2: yeah. So, any, I mean, any thoughts over there? I mean, uh, special teams was big. Um, we we gave. I mean, four. We gave up four points from blocked extra points. I mean, the um, the, the must weren't that big of a deal because obviously we uh, like Florida State didn't score any points off of those. Uh, I think one of the bigger things was 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 third uh, third down conversions though. Uh, four states third down conversions. They converted uh, eleven of seventeen and um, a lot in a row, which is not only you know bad for the fact that they're you know driving down the field and getting first downs, but it's bad for momentum and bad for um, you know like
0: it's frustrating. It's, like, it's
2: frustrating yeah. and uh, it's very tiring for the defense. I mean that's that's how. It's still surprising that Florida State only scored 24 points on us considering how how many third downs they were able to convert.
1: It's, it's one of those things when you look at it, even though um, you know LSU did make some stops, and you can look at it one way and say, okay, they only gave up 24 points, which isn't a lot. But the way Florida State was able to put together long sustained drives, they were consistently getting points and they were consistently wearing down the defense. And it's, no. Especially if you look at the first half, LSU's defense is struggling to get off the field and the offense, when the offense wasn't able to put together the sustained drives, the defense was coming back on out on the field and they retired. tired. So every time that defense goes back out there and they're still struggling to get off the field on third down, it gets even tougher because that's just more time that they're on the field, more time that they're getting gassed and less time the offense is on the field to score points. I mean, when Florida State's putting together long sustained drives, that burns clock, that you know, that's time the LSU could be on offense scoring points, but you know, you can't score when you're not on the field.
2: you know not to mention uh, a lot of those early third down versions were third and longs. Uh, Jordan Travis was was completing deep passes do- right down the middle and we just weren't able to stop it and, and I mean that's, you know, momentum right there right right off the bat. Long third down long third versions are huge for morale.
0: Yeah. I mean it was certainly an emotional game for sure, like right down to the wire. That ending broke a lot of people's hearts I think
1: it was it was, it was a crazy and I've not, I've not seen an ending like that in a while just going from you know LSU's down by 14 with I think it was like five minutes left in the game you know they get the drive to make it 24-17 they finally force a three and out and then Florida State punts it you drop the punt LSU drops the pony and you feel like it's over. I remember seeing fans hitting the exits. You know, the LSU section was only about half full at that point and then somehow and this blows my mind, still, how Florida State allowed this to happen. Fumbles the ball at the goal line. Gives LSU another chance. And it's like I could see people, like, turning around, like, trying to run back to their seats. You know, then, out of nowhere, with two timeouts left and about a minute left, Jaden Daniels puts together a miraculous 11-play, 99-yard drive. Gets all the way to, like, the one-yard line. You get that. One last play, you put it in the end zone. I just remember it felt like the roof was about to blow off the place. Just the way I had seen this, an LSU crowd that was dead most of the game, and a lot of them had left just explode. And the change in emotion from the touchdown to then. Just seconds later, that yeah. kick getting blocked, I, I don't think I've seen anything like it before. <laughs> it was, um, in terms of emotions, that was the biggest emotional shift that I've, I've seen in a football game in a long time. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and then, like, that's the more more painful part of it. Uh, like, it makes it, like, an even more heartbreaking loss is the fact that, I mean, that, that drive was a, a masterpiece. I mean, we, uh, uh, J- Daniel's... Uh, and I mean, just the coaching staff—the way they they handled the timeouts—it was it was all perfect. Uh, Jay and Daniels has that long run, which he—if he doesn't put in the extra effort to get the first down on that run—a lot of that, a lot a lot of clock runs out. I don't I, and I don't think we get to the position we were in at the end. So to have it have it get, be right there, uh, like like heading into overtime and have it not pay off was heartbreaking.
1: It's one of those things as well when you look at how it ends it just further illustrates that, you know, it really just came down to mistakes once again, even in a game that you can make a strong argument the LSU really wasn't supposed to win. They had a chance at the end to complete the comeback and pull it out and they just weren't able to do it on you know, they had a chance to at least send it to overtime and on one of the most elementary plays of all of football, you know, an extra point. It's In the NFL, they moved the extra point back, to, you know, to be a 33-yard kick because it was too automatic and too elementary. And for the second time in the game, LSU get the field goal blocked. I mean, those are the kind of things that – You just you can't do. I mean that that are inexcusable from a coach, from a player's perspective and personnel, but also from a from a coaching perspective. That's the type of thing that that happens once. That's bad enough, but that happening twice, you know, that's that just can't happen.
0: There's really nothing more LSU than a death by a thousand tiny mistakes. Um, It looks like a it might be a long season. I mean, if we're just basing it off the first game, you know, there's a lot of Anxiety to be had. I mean, we're going into the Southern game in a couple of days, so I mean, I think we're all fairly optimistic about that game. Um, But what are you guys feeling about down season?
1: So coming into the season, I think one thing I've heard, and I think I'd agree with this statement, how you feel coming out of this game, I think is a direct correlation to how you felt about this team going into the season. If you were somebody who thought, oh, first year under Brian Kelly got the new coach in they're going to go 10 and 2 they're going to compete if you thought that then this loss is probably hurting you're probably going in the opposite direction emotionally now saying oh like now you know now I'm not sure I think the general consensus though around this team is that you know you look at the whole new coaching staff you look at all the new players you look at just what this program has looked like the last two years it wasn't going to be all fine and dandy right away um we know we put out a prediction piece here at the Reveille last year, where everyone on staff predicted their record um, and predicted the Florida State game. Now, no one on the staff predicted Florida State to beat LSU, but the most common predictions were all in the seven and five to nine and three range. My prediction was eight and four, and while I did predict LSU to beat Florida State, I still wouldn't change my prediction much. I mean, I would say now that they've lost Florida State, I would predict seven and five, but I think. Um, LSU was going to run into some issues at some point this season, whether that was going to be in game one against Florida State or that was going to be at some point down the line. Um, in terms of is it going to be a long season, it's it's hard to say. Um, I think one of the positives from this game, if you do look at the mistakes, is that a lot of those things were fixable. Um, for example, the fuel go block, even though that is so elementary and that is something that just can't happen it's also, because it's so elementary, it's very easy to fix. It's just that you just can't let that happen again. Same thing with the drop punts. You know, another thing that's, you know, very basic contact, you know, very basic concept. You got to catch the ball, but, you know, somewhat of an easy fix as well. So those things can get short up. There are some things that are a little bit more worrying. Um, obviously, Mason Smith tearing his ACL on the first drive of the game is just, is heartbreaking. Um, you know, you feel terrible for him, first of all, and that's going to be a big blow for the team and for the defense. Um, and then there were issues on the offensive line and some growing pains, but it was a lot of fixable issues. So in terms of the season as a whole, my outlook doesn't change a whole lot, but um, it's going to come down to how the locker room responds and what adjustments the coaching staff makes.
2: Yeah, no, I kind of had the the same outlook. I don't think they're going to drop too much, but maybe 7-5 is more realistic. I mean – it's an early. It's early in the season. I, we don't know how good Florida State is yet, but I, I. don't. I don't think they're. I don't think they're even like the seventh or eighth best team LSU played this year is gonna play this year. I mean, especially with how Florida, you know, uh, beat beat number seven Utah. I mean, the, probably the best team in the Pac-12 in their first game with Luke Fickle. Uh, I, I still I still say uh, you know seven and five they'll make they'll make a bowl but I mean you never really know with LSU it, it could go one way or the other.
0: I mean yeah you'd never really know with LSU we've had a lot of ups and downs a lot of hard seasons um, especially I mean in the last few years there's been a lot of instability here in the program um, we've got a new coach like you said we've got a lot of turnover. Do you think that um, Brian Kelly is going to be able to right the ship this season?
1: Um, I, I think anytime a coach takes over, especially when you have, you know, the kind of rebuild that LSU is going through, um, it takes time. Um, back in two thousand, you know, I wasn't alive yet, so I can't say I remember. But um, <laughs> in Nick Saban's first year at LSU, he lost to UAB and everybody was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, you know. And there was a reason to be concerned, especially because at that point, LSU hadn't been good in a while. Um, But, you know, like I said, it's all about how the locker room responds and what adjustments you make. Obviously, in that situation, the locker room responded, and he made the right adjustments, and, you know, he ended up winning a championship a couple years later with LSU. Mm -hmm. Same thing with um, Nick Saban's first year Alabama was a similar story. They lost to Louisiana Monroe um, the next year they are in the SEC championship. Now he's the greatest coach of all time. Even, you know, most recently at LSU with Ed Orgeron in his first year at LSU. Um, they that lost, to, to Troy. lost
0: to Detroit. Lost Detroit, yep.
1: That's Very, you know, inexplicable. And people were already, I mean, Coach, coach O was on the hot seat in his first year. Um, you know, this, you know, obviously he went on to win the championship and then it went, got bad after that. But just a lot of times when a new co- coach comes in, it takes time. I actually, I, I want to look back when um, Brian Kelly started Notre Dame. Um, his very first season they started off three and three. Which um, you know, if LSU were to start off three and three, that would definitely be big alarm bells. And I'm not necessarily saying that's what I expect, but it could happen. But um, you know, he wrote the ship over there and just you have to um it's 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 tough to change a culture and it's not gonna happen overnight. So like I said, it's all gonna come down to, you know, people buying in, the staff buying in and making the right adjustments that they have to make. Oh, yeah, I mean,
0: yeah, it's, well. it's it's not unexpected for a new coach to have some of these hard losses, and it's not unexpected for the fan base to react in kind. I think, you know, we're seeing a lot of criticisms of Kelly in amongst the fan base and in, you know, the national media about his fit in this culture. And I mean, I know this has been talked to death, but... What do you guys think about that cultural aspect?
1: I mean, um, he's a he's a far cry from Ed Orscheln. He's certainly um, much different from really the last two coaches LSU has had. Um, he's, you know, he's a Midwestern guy. Um, you know, spent his whole career in the Midwest: Notre Dame, Cincinnati, Central Michigan, um, most recently. So. He's not, you know, he's never been in the SEC, he's never been in the South. He's not the kind of character that we've come to really expect at LSU. In terms of fit, though, I think once you start winning, that stuff is not that important. But, you know, it's fair to say that he hasn't started winning yet. Um, so you can't truly answer those questions until, you know, that does happen. But I think as it pertains to fit, if he does win, that's not going to be something that's talked about as much. And I, I don't think as long as you, you know, accept the culture and you respect the culture and you adapt with it, I think you can, um, you can create that fit. I mean, one of the first things he did when he did get hired was a lot of the assistants he hired were people with Louisiana roots, um, and I think that was
2: very important for him. you. Got to gotta have
0: that for recruiting.
2: Exactly, and it's already paying off. I mean, we've 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 grabbed the three highly touted uh, Louisiana recruits. I mean, very recently. So uh, he, I mean, um, he may he may not be the the Louisiana guy. Uh, may not be able to pull off the draw. But he uh, he he did make a smart decision by uh, bringing in some Louisiana coaches, and uh, uh, he's also done a great job at. Um, I mean, a lot of a lot of the players have preached his consistency uh, and like how he. He treats everybody the same. Nobody gets special treatment. He's he's uh, he's been doing a great job in that regard, uh, and I think that's that's more. That, well, I mean, not necessarily more important, but like it's 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 on the same you know level of importance.
0: Yeah, I mean, like personally myself, like I'm not a sports reporter, of course, I'm kind of looking in from the outside, um, but I do think some of those criticisms of the cultural fit are kind of a little bit overblown. I mean goodness like joe burrow is hardly you know cultural fit in louisiana but he came and he embraced it and you know louisiana adopted him back i think brian kelly is eventually gonna have to kind of make the same you know acceptance of louisiana it's obviously gonna be you know very different from south bend but you get used to it you come to love it um
2: i mean he's definitely tried to you know delve into the more um you know, like displaying his personality. He had all those videos of him dancing with the recruits that, that got um, ripped to shreds on, online. But, uh, but they I mean, were a he, little bit he putty. He is putting an effort in to, um, I mean, lighten the reputation a bit. Uh, you know,
0: one thing that kind of really struck with me from the latest Scott Rabelais column was he, he said that, you know, the world loves to calm down and party. In New Orleans, and then every other time of the year, they they make fun of us. So I honestly kind of think, in that sense, Brian Kelly does fit the culture because he is getting dunked on, and so are the rest of us. I mean,
1: this, this weekend it was this true welcome welcome to LSU moment. <laughs> you know, the you know Absolutely. seeing the seeing the response the first you know the first big disappointing loss. Um, you know, that's going to come with it. Obviously, you know, you take a job at a place like LSU. Um, so you know, I think I think he's learning that, but I think that's kind of what he expected as well.
2: With well, yeah, with with our uh, with um, LSU being what it is, I mean, three three championships in the last in twenty years, uh, it's it's heavily scrutinized, and every little thing is is you know it can be taken out of context, it can be um, blown out of proportion. I mean, this is one loss, like,
0: and you know, maybe like a true cultural fit isn't what we need. Because I mean, take a look at the culture in athletics. The past few years, it has had a few problems. Um, I mean, not just on the field. We've got the Title IX scandal. Um, there is certainly some cultural problems. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe that fresh blood is going to be good for LSU.
1: That's that's kind of something that was kind of my thought during the um, the coaching the coaching search. I think they they wanted to bring in somebody who was vastly vastly different from Edward round because they saw how bad things got, not just from an on the field perspective, but from an entire organiz- organizational, you know, level and perspective. They wanted to bring somebody who could bring that structure and organization back that was lacking, because I think as we saw both on the field and off, once that organization and that structure is gone, you know, everything falls apart you know from the foundation from the foundation up so i think that's the biggest thing that lsu was looking to get out of brian kelly and that i think brian kelly brings to lsu um culturally i think at least you can become a culture fit you know obviously you know if you're if you're from there people might people are going to side with you right away but if you do your job people are going to side with you as well
2: I mean, by the end of Vorzron's uh, tenure, uh, I mean he he had uh, he had lost a good portion of the of the locker room, you know, based around the um, you know the protest, like him not being a participant in that. And I mean, I think that goes that's a lot more uh, important than just being the Louisiana guy. I mean, if if you're if your character is being questioned, uh, especially you know the. Being the face of the of of the organization, uh, that's that's not not a good thing um, to have I mean, to deal with.
0: In, in times of great upheaval, uh, you're not necessarily going to look to somebody who, you know, is participating in the same culture that is in upheaval. You know, sometimes what you really just need is a strong moral leader, like regardless of where they come from, and you know. Going back to, you know, 2020 with the George Floyd protests, you know, some criticize Orgeron for not stepping up. Um, We saw Nick Saban step up on the Alabama campus. Peter, you wrote about this a little while ago. Um, And I think, you know, Brian Kelly has the potential to fill that role at LSU. I mean, we know he's had some problems at Notre Dame, but it, it may be something he can grow past and kind of bring that leadership to LSU?
1: Most definitely, because those are the type of things that creates a strong culture, because the players aren't going to buy in if they don't believe in you and they don't feel like you respect them. I mean, that uh, that was one of the instances, you know, in 2020 during the protests when Coach O lost the locker room. I mean, that was a significant thing. I mean, the players... A lot of players, in a sense, you know, kind of felt betrayed by him. And that's the difference between somebody like him and somebody like Nick Saban, where he's going to be the first one to, you know, fight for his team. And if the players know that you're going to fight for them, they're going to fight twice as hard for you on the field. Um, And that's just one of the most, you know, whether it's coaching or really any role, you know, where you're asked to be a leader, that's one of the most important things. And that's something that, um, like you said, Brian Kelly has the chance to do and I think um, he is capable of doing um, and I think that's one of the biggest things that LSU really needs right now just leadership
0: mm-hmm. I'd like to see him step into that role and I mean certainly it's something that is wanting um, yeah I mean I hope that starts to pay off pretty soon um, because like you said they are going to fight harder for that coach and um, our team needs that little extra oomph if we're going to get through the season
1: yep yep most definitely, most definitely.
2: I mean, yeah, I still don't think I, don't think it'll be as bad as the last two years. I mean, I mean, that's hard to predict at this time of the season. But we did see some, you know, some some great things towards the end of that game.
1: I, I think kind of to that point, you know, going back to the whole fighting fighting for the coach, I think that's already kind of shown a little bit. One of my observations looking at the opening game against Florida State just this past weekend compared to the opening game last year against UCLA where they got dominated and that felt like the true beginning of the end of the Ed Orgeron era is that against UCLA, you know, they kind of got down in the middle of the game. You know, they were kind of getting bullied, in a sense, on the line of scrimmage. There, were, you know, UCLA was running the ball, moving the ball. And it kind of seemed like there was a point where the team, you know, almost kind of quit, in a sense. You know, and that's, that's kind of a direct reflection of leadership and fighting, you know, fighting for the coach and fighting for each other. That, if anything, that's the opposite of what you saw um, on Sunday. It was they played bad. But you saw late on, okay, this team, they are going to fight to get themselves back in the game. It was just mistakes that ended up killing them. So I I think, you know, we are starting to see that in a sense. And even though there was a whole lot of negative from that game on Sunday, I think that was the biggest positive from the game on Sunday.
2: I mean, we saw how how Malik Neighbors responded after his second muff. He he comes in and catches two straight balls. Uh, I mean, Jaden Daniels was... Was uh, was putting it like putting himself uh, like you know in, in line to to take hits. i mean, trying to get first downs at the end of the game. Uh, you had you had players sprinting for the sidelines, you know, trying to just trying to save that extra second. And I mean, the, those extra effort uh, plays are I mean, it, it's that displays fight 100. Speaking
0: of Jaden Daniels, um what do you guys think about his performance and do you guys think he's going to, you know, win this quarterback fight? Is he going to be our guy this season?
1: It seems like to me um I was I was impressed with what I saw from him honestly. I mean, really kind of at a at a You know, at a wide glance, you know, I saw everything I needed to see on that last drive. I mean, him leading the team down the field, 99 yards, you know, with, you know, to give them a chance to win. Proved to me that LSU can win with Jaden Daniels. Um, You know, it it wasn't perfect, you know, obviously. I mean, if it was perfect, they would have won. You know, early in the game, there were some issues with, um, you know, the offensive line play, especially. You know, he wasn't getting the time to you know make throws um you saw in the second half once they started to speed things up do more quick play they started executing better you saw that starting to to work out but i think the reason why for one Jaden daniels started in that game and the biggest reason why i think he will you know continue to keep the quarterback job and be the guy for lsu this season is because his ability to make plays and run when plays break down Sets him apart from Garrett Nussmeyer. Garrett Nussmeyer is a great quarterback, and I think he will be a good quarterback for LSU when he gets his shot eventually. But I think right now, Jaden Daniels' skill set um, is kind of what LSU needs based on the personnel they have. Um, he, you know, when the offensive line was struggling early in the game and he wasn't able to make throws, him being able to get out of the pocket and run and just outrun the Florida State defense at times is what kept LSU in the game. So I think just the dynamic that he gives you being able to run the ball is what's going to really put him over the top and be the
2: guy for LSU this it's year.
0: that adaptability.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Especially with the way with, uh, I mean, we, we there, there, there are definitely question marks at the offensive line. I mean, that was one of the biggest gripes from that game. So, I mean, uh, Nussmeier will, uh, I mean... We assume uh, once he he obtains obtains the starting role, he'll have a better line to where he can be more of a pocket guy. And uh, I mean, we we yeah, I mean, Jaden Daniels picked up um, I mean 80, 80 rushing yards or seventy or eighty rushing yards in the first half, mostly running for his life. Uh, and that's my I don't I don't believe he would have had it had success in that situation. He would have been under a lot of a lot of pressure, and it would have been a, a rough start for the season. It would have been a lot a lot worse than what was what, what was produced uh, on Sunday.
0: So he has some more maturing to do before he steps up to that role. y'all think.
1: Yeah, especially too. I mean, that's another thing. Just experience. I mean, Jaden Daniels. This is his fourth year of college football. Garrett Nussmeyer is a redshirt freshman who's played in you know only a handful of games. You know, Jaden Daniels was just more. Ready for this moment, I think, than Garrett Garrett Nussmeier is think,
2: right now. Yeah, and Daniels, I mean, um, through through his his um, his two full seasons and his, his COVID year, he I mean, he's had to compete with um, I mean, uh, the Arizona State's like a, a middle of the pack team in the Pac-12, so he's had to bring them back a lot. He has a lot of experience in fourth, fourth quarter situations, much like the one. Um, he experienced on Sunday, uh, and I mean he's he's had moments similar to you know the, the ninety nine yard drive he had um, against uh, I want to say Washington State uh, his freshman season he had a he had a game winning like thirty three yard rushing touchdown with uh, probably like fifteen or twenty seconds to go and like. That's one of those plays where it's like, yeah, he's got that. He's got that. Clutch the star factor. potential, yeah. He's got the. Um, the he's more than just talented. He he is. Um, he is built for moments like that.
0: Looking forward to seeing some more of that. I hope it stays consistent throughout the season. Um, I, I, I'm hoping we can avoid a, some of the heartbreak that we saw on Saturday. Oof. Oh. Kind of looking back, um, we're playing Southern in a couple of days. Um, the governor, a couple days ago, he said that uh, the odds came out of Vegas and it was looking like that while LSU was gonna win the game, uh, Jukebox was gonna win the halftime show. Um, I mean, this weekend I think is more, is about more than just football. Uh, we've got these two teams coming together within the Baton Rouge community. Um, We're seeing more of a partnership in academics, and I think this weekend's game is going to be like a celebration of that partnership rather than, you know, a head-to-head, you know, true football competition. What do you guys think?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is... Brian Kelly was talking about it in his, um, his press conference just yesterday. I mean, just a great... It's a great moment, a great day for the city of Baton Rouge and the state of Louisiana. I mean, how many times, you know, do you see two schools from the same city getting to play each other? It's just it's a great time for, you know, the city to come together. You know, obviously, you've got LSU, you've got Southern, you've got the bands. You know, that's, you know, one of the things everyone's looking forward to. It's like the game. The game isn't even the main event. You know, you've got just it's it's such a great opportunity I think you know it's also the first time LSU has played a, a school from from the SWAC um, I think the first time LSU's played an HBCU as well which I believe is, is so you know significant especially you know if you're going to have a model in college football where you're playing um, schools from you know the FCS or schools that are might be a, a division below or overmatched teams and you know they might be getting paid to to come play in these games I, I personally would rather have it be schools like Southern or in state schools. That's, you know, where that money is going and where, you know, these universities can be helped out and opportunities where you can bring the state and the city together in events like this. So I think it's gonna be a great day for the city.
2: Yeah, I don't think the focus is going to be on the outcome at the end of the day. I mean, unless, of course, LSU loses.
0: I'm knock on some wood there, Henry. <laughs> come on.
2: <laughs> but no, uh, I really think the the the, events, the the event of the day is going to be going to be when the bands come together at halftime. And, uh, I mean, perhaps the, the celebrations throughout the day, the tailgates and, you know. Well,
0: throughout the week, I mean, LSU and Southern have a pack schedule of events they're doing together to celebrate the A&M agenda they just signed yesterday. Um, There's some cool stuff coming out of that. You know, this is not sports related, but I mean, one of the things like President Tate talked about was that Baton Rouge and South Louisiana is like a, a, a mecca for a black education, like nowhere else in the country are there as many, like, black undergraduates. Um, And while Southern is the HBCU, uh, the flagship school of the only HBCU system in the country, you know, LSU has a huge amount of black students. So us coming together, working together, uh, kind of feels like a... it's just the right thing to do for the for the state there's no reason that these two institutions should be competing for resources when there's so much that we could do together
1: yeah I mean I I totally agree I, I totally agree I mean you just there's few places you know that I've been you know like Baton Rouge just culturally especially you know you have a place where you've got a flagship institution, then such a big historic HBCU in the city as well. And you've got, you know, like you mentioned, you know, there is HBCU, there's still a lot of, you know, black students at LSU as well. I think it's very important for these schools to try to work together as much as possible. And I think that's what's best for the city. And I think that's what's best for for students at both schools.
0: It's a great atmosphere, like this week feeling like it's not about like competition anymore. It's about like, Friendship and maybe just yeah. a little bit of friendly football competition at the end of it.
1: Yeah, it's like um, in in 2003 when LSU won the national championship, um, Southern also won a um, championship for their conference and they did a um, joint parade through the city. So it's one of those moments where, you know, you can just get everybody to come together. So it's just um, it's a great opportunity.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What are our score predictions for the weekend?
1: Hmm. So um, biggest thing I'm looking for out of this game from an on the field perspective for LSU. I don't think the score, you know, you expect LSU to win. And um, I I can't see a way that LSU doesn't win this game. But more than a specific score, I think LSU is going to be looking to just improve on the the self-inflicted mistakes that they made last week, you know catching punts you know um, special team blocking on special teams you know um, getting executing on your pass plays and your short passes getting off the field on third down if they can do those things right um, those that they, they have no excuse to not get those things right after a week yeah. um, one thing I was thinking to myself just thinking about the game last night you know, because I compared it a lot to when after LSU lost to UCLA last year they played McNeese the very next week and it's a similar matchup in terms of um, the teams Southern and McNeese so LSU won that game they beat them 34-7 but LSU still didn't look very good um, they were dominant on defense but on offense you still saw a lot of the same issues so for me I'm going to be looking to see if LSU can improve especially offensively And, um, you know, it's I look for them to it would be a good sign if they could either um, shut Southern out or put up 50 points. And if both happens and, you know, that means they played a really complete game in terms of predictions, you know, what I kind of settled on was um, 45-7 LSU.
2: I'm, yeah, I'm. I'm very similar. Forty-nine to ten, and um, I also think it's a good opportunity for them to test out some uh, rotational stuff, especially with um, with Smith with Smith's injury. I think um, they'll be looking to um, you know move that defensive line around, get you know, Makai Wingo, uh, Jacoby and Guillory, and some of the freshmen. in. I think uh, offensive line rotation stuff would be big too. Um, there they're are eight or nine guys that they can rotate in or out. That hey maybe uh, maybe they they find a, a better they they find a starter that's more more effective that like you know they didn't like didn't see throughout the fall camp. I, um, I mean um, and you know other like you know running backs and other positions like that, and, but.
0: I mean, I think everybody's thinking it's going to be a blowout. Um, I think that's the most likely thing to happen, too. Um, I don't think anybody's going to be upset, though, if it's a little bit closer. I mean, maybe we'd have a little bit of a friendly uh, dunking if LSU does lose the game. But, um... If Southern wins, I think they deserve that
1: oh most definitely if if, if Southern wins this game, then they deserve one hundred percent of the credit for sure, but oh man if 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 um lSU were to you know somehow lose this game. Um, Brian Kelly would not be sleeping very well after 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 that.
2: <laughs> well, Florida State is one thing. Um, losing to an FCS opponent in, in your first season will not help you uh, maintain your job.
0: Not, but I I don't think that's likely. I think this is going to be a fun a fun game a, a fun celebration of you know this partnership that these two schools are working on.
1: Yeah, most definitely, most definitely.
0: All right, Peter Henry, any last thoughts on anything before we go?
1: Um, I you know, appreciate you having us on. Um, for sure, it's gonna be you know the long season left. There's anything you know, if anything that I would say us about the team in general, I think um you know the bad news is they made a lot of mistakes that you just can't make, and that's a bit um disappointing and you know kind of frightening to see. But at the same time, a lot of these mistakes were fixable, and I think they have every chance to fix those mistakes going forward. So. I wouldn't lose hope on the season just yet. That's my that's that's the biggest thing I can say.
2: About I the think game. it's completely unpredictable. Uh, and I mean, at the end of the day, I always love talking LSU football. Man, um, I mean, it's it's something I, I, I um, my life revolves around. So
0: the whole state I, loves talking about LSU, LSU football.
2: So yeah. any any time you want us on to talk football, we're um, We'd be excited.
0: You guys will be invited back very shortly, I assure you. But until then, uh, Peter, uh, if our listeners want to find you, where can they find you on social media?
1: Yep, on Twitter, Peter underscore Rautercoast. That's Peter underscore R-A-U-T-E-R-K-U-S. And then obviously, the Reveille, Reveille lsureveille.com is where you can find all of our stuff.
0: And Henry, if people want to find more of your work, where can they find you on social media?
2: So yeah, same, uh, lsureveille.com, but uh, my Twitter is uh, Henry Huber underscore. Uh, I don't think you have to worry about cases, uh, case there, so.
0: All right, you guys go follow these two. If you love LSU sports, um, you're gonna want to follow the student journalists who are covering these teams very closely and are sitting next to them while Nobody is cheating on tests. I promise. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us. That's all for Tiger Talk. I'm your host, Piper Hutchinson. This podcast has been produced by David Robbins. You can find more from The Reveille on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at LSU Reveille, and on TikTok at Reveille LSU. You can find more from KLSU on Instagram at KLSUFM or live on the radio at 91.1 FM.